we're in deep Yes, we are in very, very deep Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, what condition my condition was in I woke up this morning with the sun down shining in him oh. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the f***ing money, head? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then... 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. I tripped on a cloud and fell eight miles high. I tore my mind. On a jagged sky. Okay, you know, you guys aren't privy to all the new so, uh, you know, that's what you, uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. Just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sun down shining in. Hello, everybody. It's Jackson Jacks. I'm Tom Matt Byrne back on the board after <laughs> a couple of weeks of uh, we're not sure what he was doing, trying to drive in the in the in the oh, bad weather. I think. Yeah, it was the, tough. It was real tough. Uh, and plus, you don't have a four-wheel drive vehicle. You don't have, you know, you don't have any right equipment. Well, now's the time to invest, if anything. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> anyway, SP futures up twelve fifty. Nasdaq futures up fifty-seven. Remember how giddy we were yesterday about the market being up? Well, that didn't last. I mean, it didn't it lasted like not at all. I mean, this is crazy. The last couple of weeks, we were up damn near every morning, and then all of a sudden, by the, at least yesterday, it made it into the opening, and not just the end of the show. But still, it was. Uh, that's so hot. Do we have Mr. Kevin? We do indeed. Kevin, how are you? Good morning. Uh, I am doing fine. What's the good word? I'm doing, I'm doing well. What's up with you? I'm doing okay. Uh, actually, uh, we uh, um, could have used a little rally yesterday, but and it, and it kind of took everything with it. Everything was uh, silver, uh, gold, everything was, was way up, and then all of a sudden it was just a, a usual kind of miserable day. As soon as uh, Apple came out and said something about, you know, uh, uh, missing uh, something all Bob of a sudden, sucking. yeah, basically, and they were they were up two, and they were down five, and uh, and uh, Tesla was down another twelve or fifteen percent. So yeah, I mean, it Tesla just, continued to take a beating. Yes, and just uh, people are just repricing all this stuff, and uh, you know, you just have to have to think that maybe, you know, especially Tesla, should never been up where it was in the first place. I mean, it's just uh, you know, it's one of those things. I don't. Uh, I mean, it, valuing stocks, and I, you know, I think over the over the course of me being on the uh, on the on the uh, air or the podcast, whatever you want to call it, I think a few things you, people can learn. You can't, you know, don't you don't want to take my market prognostication or anything else or anybody else's for that matter. But uh, it, one of the most fascinating things about the industry and the pricing is all is, is something gets gets uh, priced as a massive innovator. You know, read eBay. And all of a sudden, it's a price you can't touch it. And if you short it, you know it's it's the way to get carried out feet f feet first. You just can't do it. And all of a sudden, someday, somewhere, it could be a year, it could be six months, it could be two decades. Somebody says, you know, these guys are just a retailer. I don't know what, what we're priced up here, like here for. And all of a sudden, it goes the other way, and everybody just okay then <laughs> here it is. And it 
you know, finding that general consensus when something is not going to be, it's not going to go to the moon, and it's just, you know, no matter what happens, it's going to go higher. And you're talking about a stock that was, uh, uh, you know, it was it was worth more than every other auto company combined at one point, and now they've lost almost a trillion dollars worth of stuff. Now, yesterday, we're just looking, here's an article here in uh, CNBC by Alex Herring, H-A-R-R-I-N-G, in the article is Apple and Amazon lost a staggering $800 billion in market cap in 2022. Here's what that looks like. I mean, must have written this article like a little, well, it must have done it the last day of the year, but I think Tesla has even gone down way more. I mean, Tesla's got to be pushing a trillion. Uh, Apple and Amazon each lost more than $130 billion in market cap in 2022. Apple lost $846 billion. Amazon lost $846.06 billion, almost the exact same number. Uh, and is this we're talking about is nearly uh, is nearly the market cap of eight Intels or ten PayPal's or eighteen Snowflakes or forty nine Rivians. I mean, this is massive amounts of cash. And I, I'm looking. I I'm going to say uh, Tesla has to be. Well, I had it at eight hundred and seventy when the stock was at. Uh, I'm going to say one twenty. Now it's one hundred eight. So it's got to be pushing a trillion dollars. So you know that's off somebody's sheets. Now whether or not. People had the stock, just watched it go up. Never, maybe some sold it or did not. Somebody, you know, somebody uh, just watched it go up and just watched it come right back down. And I guess, I guess, no harm, no foul, other than the fact that it's like going to, <laughs> it's going to a poker game with fifty bucks, being up five hundred and walking out with fifty. I guess, uh, you know, I suppose you can say to yourself that uh, you're you're okay, but really you're sort of not. <laughs> you had the opportunity. But somebody somewhere bought the tops of all these things, you know, and somebody listened to somebody on TV or whatever, oh, always just buy Apple, no matter what, buy Apple, buy it. And somebody bought that stuff, Kevin, and somebody's sitting there looking at a, at a huge loss. And uh, they had an interesting debate the other day um, on TV between, uh, I don't know, one of the guys who was, the, Mr. I don't, know, I don't know what his name is, one of these got the nickname on CNBC. But he's talking, and the guy's been incredibly bullish all year, and of course he's getting his butt kicked. Uh, and he was talking about, you know, you don't, just don't take the loss. And the announcer's going, what do you mean, take the loss? Um, one of the things, the, diff- the major difference in mentality, I'm not going to say which is right or wrong, Kevin, the major difference in mentality is somebody who is traded for a living and a retail trader, and this is not a slam on anybody, uh, is uh, um, somebody in the industry, somebody who's traded every day, certainly somebody who's been a floor trader, you mark yourself to market every day. So if you're sitting there and you own IBM, you own a thousand shares, and it's a hundred bucks, and you've owned it for a month, you could have bought it at twenty or ten or whatever you bought it. The next day it's ninety-nine dollars. You're down a grand. You're not still up. You're down a grand. And you, because you mark yourself, and retail people never will feel that way. And they, why should I take the loss? You've already got the loss. You look in the mirror and say, I'm down dough. Just do it. Just try it. Try it. See if you can do it. Just practice it. You're down dough. And uh, I, uh, I learned this lesson. Talk about a story, Kevin. Uh, I don't know if I ever told you this one before. Before I went to work at, and I was always interested in the markets. This is I'm real young, right out of grad school. I uh, always interested in the markets. And my cousin had worked at United Airlines as an accountant. Then he became a salesman for everybody. Uh, I think mostly Xerox. Uh, 
just a hard-nosed kind of sales guy. He was a guy who played uh, halfback for University of Colorado. Terrific, terrific guy. Still alive. Uh, he, he had a buddy from United Airlines that uh, was an accountant there, didn't like it, opened up a dry cleaner. That thing go out so hot. And then he opened up a pizza joint, and that thing go so hot. And finally, he, he and a buddy bought some small brokerage firm on the Mid-America Commodity Exchange, if anybody remembers that. It was over in the Insurance Exchange building, and it was all the stuff. I think it was a tenth value. So if you, um, a contract at the Board of Trade for soybeans was 5,000 bushels. I think the one at the Mid-America was either 1,000 bushels or 500 bushels. I'm going to say 1,000. So they had people who traded smaller, and then they eventually got bought by the Board of Trade, and they had those contracts disappeared, and everybody traded the bigger ones. But his, his buddy, his na- guy's name was uh, Larry Carroll. Hopefully he's still with us. Uh, so my uncle gets me, or my, my cousin gets me interview with this guy. So down I trudge to the uh, Board of Trade floor, and there's this little dude <laughs> compared to me. I'm 6'4", he's 5'7", little Irish guy, nice as hell. And he starts telling me about the business and how he and his buddy it formed C&D Commodities. I had no idea who C&D Commodities was, but it was Rich Dennis, who was one of the most famous uh, uh, hedge fund traders of the day, or actually commodity pool operators, which would be more specific. And he got people's money, and he traded, and the guy was amazingly successful. Well, he did that, and my, my this guy I met was kind of the floor guy, the floor trader and everything, so he took huge positions. And I didn't even, I didn't even know what the hell he was talking about, because I didn't know anything about futures at the time. And I had studied... Uh, options and stuff in grad school, but I never didn't really know much about futures. So he tells me, yeah, I mean, I'm limit long corn and I'm limit short silver. And I'm like, what does that even mean? Well, he, he was long three million bushels of corn. And uh, he's, he says, oh, he, he walks into the pit and he sells like 200,000 bushels and these guys are all scrambling to get it. And I'm sitting there going, wow, that was pretty neat. <laughs> and then he goes upstairs and he sells another like half mil. And uh, he said, "Yeah, I bought it at like 190, and it's trading 250 or whatever it was, and it's and it's down a dime on the day." And I'm thinking, "God, this guy's up, you know, 190 to 250. He's, he's kicking ass." And the guy's like all bummed out, and I go, well, "What's the problem?" And he goes, "What do you mean? I lost 300 grand today." And he goes, and "I said, well, you're still up like 60, being the retail schmuck that I was." And not that retail people are schmucks, but I've, I felt I felt like a schmuck talking to this guy. No, no, just you. Yeah, just me. And uh, and he goes, it was two fifty yesterday. It's two forty today. I got three million bushels. Do the math. And I said, okay then. <laughs> and you know what? It made perfect sense after after it was explained to me exactly, Kevin. It, and from that day on, as I became a trader for twenty years, it's what's in your it's what's in your wallet today, just like the commercial says. And. You know, the idea that you bought something at 100, now it's trading 50, but you're okay, you haven't sold it yet. God, get in a mirror and take a look. Just saying. But I'll never be able to win that argument. Like, like most of them, most of them I don't win. Just saying. Yeah. Well, and, and I think as you look at some of these companies, too, um, you know, they, they have a lot of history of success, but in, in each case, you, you also have to look at how the, the market for their products is shifting. So, for example, uh, Tesla was pretty much not the only player in town. That's not a, a, a fair assessment of them, but they were they were easily the big dog in terms of electronic vehicles, um, and uh, so they they really didn't have to compete with anybody seriously. Uh, they 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 own that market. They don't own it anymore. Everybody makes electronic vehicles now, and everybody makes more competitively priced electronic vehicles. 
um, you know, you can. They're, they're all expensive, but still, you can. You know, you can get GMs. You can, uh, you know, from the various GM entities. You can get it from, uh, you know, Ford entities. All the, uh, um, you know, foreign-based auto manufacturers uh, have it. So, you know, it's it's the market was bound to shift. Being first isn't always the best thing you have long term. It can be. Being first to market uh, can, uh, and being an early leader is uh, very valuable uh, often enough, but it doesn't always translate to long-term uh, uh, success. And so that's part of it. And if you, you know, same thing if you look at Apple and you look at 5G uh, rolling out now um, and, and take all of the, you know, that first of all, that's shifted a lot of the market away from what deal can you make for an iPhone from the providers to who has the best 5G network. Are rolling out, but you also look and and, and if you see uh, who all the deployment partners are for T-Mobile and Sprint, for Verizon, uh, even for AT and T, um, they're partnered not with Apple as their primary rollout partners. They're looking at Ericsson, Samsung. Um, let's see, Verizon. Uh, so I'm scrolling down a list here. Uh, Samsung with Verizon, even AT and T, who's not uh, as out front as all of the others. Um, you know, AT&T is Nokia, Ericsson, and Samsung as their partners. So, you know, and and, uh, and meanwhile, uh, Apple is trying to develop its own 5G chips, to, uh, but they're not there yet. So I, I'm not surprised because the nature of their business has changed. Uh, and and I, I think, it, it, you know, it may be that many investors are very, very slow to recognize how the market itself is, is shifting. Well, I, uh, one of the other things that, that I, you know, I keep harping on a lot, maybe more than I should, is Tesla was a recipient of all this money from all these other places. Well, so were it, so everybody else. No, not to that extent. They were going to have a, they were getting five hundred million dollar checks some quarters. That's a lot of money. Oh well, yeah, if, if, but what I'm saying is, GM, all uh, GM was eligible for the same benefits. They just weren't rolling out as many electronic vehicles. But they were time. paying on the but other. Now that they're ramping up. They get the same kind of credits. I understand. What I'm saying is, for a long period of time, every time you bought a car from Ford, Ford had to send Tesla a check. That's insanity. That's insanity, in my opinion. Uh, you know, Kevin. Yeah, that's, but again, it's a shift in the market as they ramp up. The, you know, that's changing. But the idea that, that I'm and, gonna, I'm and so you know, the idea here is that you have to recognize, you know, the, uh, that a lot of investors don't necessarily recognize the market shifts. They look at you know, you look at, at certain financial fundamentals, things like you know um, that that may be may or may not be uh, relevant, but they but not people don't recognize um, basically the the uh, uh, the trends that you know not not this year's trend, but you know the trend two or three years out, and so you get surprised by uh, you know by what ultimately happens. I uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be you here for a second. We're t- we're switching roles today for the new year. I'm going to say whenever government gets involved, there's a, there's a huge screw-up. You can't tell me that somebody wasn't on the take on this Tesla deal. Oh, no. Where do I go? Oh, yeah, you, you can be me. You just repeat after me. Government is inept and government is corrupt. You know, the weird and part is... finally, uh, do, does government care about you? Hell no. <laughs> well, you know, the weird part is, is some of this economic theory on this stuff... Hey, Kevin, you know, we're not kids anymore. I, I remember this from college. And the University of Chicago guys were all over it. There, there's a lot of economic theory 
uh, Milton Friedman was a big proponent of all this stuff. There's a lot of economic theory that if you're a market kind of guy, all right, which I surely am, as somebody who traded on the trading floor for over 20 years, the problem is every single time somebody gets involved, there is the market. The market doesn't act like it's supposed to. And it, I mean, when we look at right now, even in my industry, I mean, we got four people running all the markets. They're they're not the same as they were, not even close. But I mean, there, there is. I mean, you, you you can't name on on. I don't even think you need your toes. Try and try and name me ten is, is, industries that are actually competitive. I don't think you can. I don't think I can. I mean, you're talking about agriculture. You can talk about uh, actually uh, retail oil is pretty competitive. Uh, Barber shops are probably competitive. Bars are probably competitive. Right, that's four. Restaurants, it's five. I guess if you want to put separate that out. As you walk down that list, not very many that they aren't that aren't somehow tied in with some sort of licensing or some kind of BS. And the same way with the uh, well, which which takes re- uh, restaurants off there because uh, if if you intend to have a liquor license, <laughs> well, I mean, every, every, right now if you look it, at. It, it, you, you may have to be connected. So, you know, so there are yeah. states where there are no new liquor licenses. Oh, yeah. Well, Period. You're locked out. What you have to go is uh, is you have to buy a, a, a license off of somebody who's not using one. Well, there was a place by me. It used to be a food store. Then it was a, uh, I don't know if I forgot the wrong name of the damn place. Maybe was here. He'd know. Uh, they had a, it was a food store. You know, it was too small for a food store. It was right in Lincoln Park. And then it became a real estate place or something or a small bank. And these guys bought it and turned it into this just gorgeous sports bar. I mean, there's a million TVs. They couldn't get a liquor license for, like, years. Where they ended up uh, walking down, going down the block to Kelly's, and Kelly's would bring booze over, okay, if you wanted it. They had a buffet every Sunday. It was the first place I ever saw all the, all the guys do the fantasy football because they had every computer hookup in the world. And it was really ahead of its time. And you walk in there at 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning, the place is packed with all these guys eating the buffet and sitting there with their computers doing all their fantasy football. All of a sudden, like two years later, they get this miraculous partner in Alexei Janulius, and they get a liquor license. You know, who's now the Secretary of State. Imagine that. Uh, imagine, yes. Imagine that. that. Uh, but I mean, what I'm saying, Kevin, is I could probably, even today, a little rusty, the idea when people were talking about pollution back when I was in the University of Chicago grad school, it's a long time ago, when people were talking about pollution, immediately the economic gurus, the guys who said, why don't we take care of this through the free market like we do everything else, or we should do everything else. Kevin, I could I could not have written a paper against the theory. The theory was, okay, if we're going to have, pick, pick a disease, or not a disease, but a bad thing, if we're going to have sulfur dioxide in the uh, atmosphere, we know whenever we make something, at that time we're burning a lot of coal, uh, whenever we do something, that has sulfur dioxide in it, we're going to get it in the atmosphere. Now, we can either have a whole bunch of rules against it, or we can say, you know what, um, for all the, we're going to sell sulfur, or sell, or we're going to allow sulfur dioxide credits, and we're going to let them float in a free market. So the idea is we're going to limit the amount of sulfur dioxide to, you know, say a million pounds. I don't know how we even count, count the stuff. A million pounds. And we're going to let that be on the market. What that does is it tells you, in theory, and I could write this up still today. It would take me a while. I could have done it pretty quickly back then. Uh, what it tells you is that only the people who have the highest, uh, best use of this sulfur dioxide, I'll use the term poison, uh, will be able to bid up enough. In other words, the guy who's making uh, 
uh, Hula Hoops is not going to be able to bid for it. But the guy who's making you know diamond earrings maybe can because the margin of the diamond earring, or it's going to be somebody who's making some medicine we really need or something. Whatever it is, it's going to be the top of the food chain, and we'll let we'll let the market deal with this instead of having people run around and finding people uh, for sulfur di- for sulfur dioxide. And we're, so the, the people who really need whatever it is that the process where you create sulfur dioxide are going to be able to outbid the other people, and we'll just let the market take care of it, just like the market does everything else. Okay, that's fine. Try and get our buffoons. Uh, I shouldn't say that. Try try and get our, our elected officials. To write that bill, try and get try and get twenty people off the street that might even be smart to write that bill. Good luck. Now it, it, it absolutely will fall in the execution of how this thing is going to work. It, it probably was was it a good idea to maybe have carbon credits? In theory, there's no way I can dispute that, Kevin. The idea that you ended up every single person in this country who couldn't afford a friggin' Tesla is going into buying a Ford pickup truck if you're a farmer or somebody else. For that guy to have to pay $2,000 extra and that check going to Tesla makes no sense to anybody. I'm sorry. I'm, I just arrest my case. I mean, it, for, it to, for it to spill out that way to where every person in the country who, who doesn't have an electric hookup, doesn't have anything, going out and buying a regular old car five years ago, having to pay a bunch of money to Tesla is insanity. Look, look what we've done to people in pricing and everything, and these cars and trucks. No argument from me on that. Wait a minute! You're always supposed um, to argue. You know, it, it should it should be that we have, um, you know, we should um, it, we should have a new motto for our, our government called uh, "Oops, didn't think it through." Well, I mean, we're, we're talking about pe- people. If you talk to, if you go into a, a bar or a library or a coffee shop, start talking about price of autos, some stupido in the place will say, "Man, look at look at the pensions these guys making, look, and look at the auto people." I'm going to say, Kevin, the, the price of something, and I, you know, I'm going to go out on a limb here. What, what is it? What is the? How many hours are in a car now? Like 50, 35, and what's the thing cost? 80 grand. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're not even we're not even on the planet of how much all this other stuff costs. I mean, this this kind of regulation, this this check going to somebody, this is a carbon credit, and yet some poor guy going in there buy a pick, pickup truck. To work on his farm is paying 50 grand. Well, 20 years ago it was was 15 grand. What, I mean, what are we talking about? And all of a sudden, this this is for the good of who? Exactly. It is. Yeah, well, it is always good, and this goes back to what you're talking about with, um, you know, competition. It is always uh, for the good of uh, the people who have uh, who are able to manipulate government in their favor, uh, manipulate the legal system in their favor, and uh, um, man, you're getting me geared up to teach oh, yeah. business law this semester. Uh, and, and people, and, and and those who make the legislation and benefit from it as well. Well, I'll give you a quick example, then we we'll go to break. And I want to ask you in a second uh, half hour that based on what your school collectively is seeing in the economy, and I know you guys adjust your curriculum. I'm curious as to what, how you're adjusting your curriculum for the coming year, given potential recession, potential layoffs, potential this. But I'll give you a quick example. I was for some for some ridiculous reason because I, st- they made me as as the guy who was the analyst, right? The guy who went to grad school at Allied Van Lines. They made me study this uh, zero-based budgeting that Jimmy Carter coughed up in, in uh, Congress. I'm sure people kind of heard of this. And uh, I remember it. Yeah. Well, they, we, they tried it at Allied, and then they tried it at Pullman. Of course, I was the guy again. And then actually, I heard Todd Stroger of all people talking about going to do that with the county. 
I'm going to say, Kevin, if I give a class, which I probably could still do, on zero base uh, uh, budgeting, in the uh, the it, I could it implies a, a, a tremendous organizational knowledge of everybody in the place, of everybody's job that everybody has, and if, if, if there's there's nothing in theory <coughs> that you can <coughs> that you can take a stick and poke it, it it's, it's theoretically fairly good, or actually really good. I'm going to say it's never worked anywhere and never will <laughs> because of the, the complexity and because people have no idea in their place what all these people do. They just don't. And, 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 and as, you, as soon as you <clears throat> make it up the chain where all these people are supposed to be making these informed decisions, <clears throat> guess what? They're not informed. It's never once worked any place I've seen. And yet, in theory, it's like these pollution controls. Once people get done writing the bill, it doesn't even remotely resemble what the theory is. And it never will, because it never it never gets to enter the competitive marketplace, because people go, wait a minute, Matt Burns got this, uh, you know, he's he's making <coughs> he's making Molotov cocktails in the back. We like Matt. We'll give him a sulfur dioxide credit, even though he doesn't deserve one. By the time the bill comes out, 800 pages, the entire simplicity of the of the, the free market has been lost. No, and I, I don't, you know, I don't like to engineer it. If you have behavior that you cannot tolerate, then. That's where the law comes into play. Um, and you make it uh, simple, straightforward, and then you enforce it. The problem is we don't enforce it. No. Well, and then something goes wrong, and we make new laws that we're not going to enforce. SP Futures down 10, SP Futures down 53. Matter of fact, let's discuss that a little after the break, Kevin, because I think you're right. I think it has to do with Chicago crime, too, in that, in that regard. We'll be right back. Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630 401 8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. 
Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now. Suppose you run your business and let me run mine. Yeah, man. Suppose you run your business, let me run mine. All right, you do what you want. You do what you want over at uh, the other station you're at. Oh, yeah. The one you always want me to listen to when I can never get in there. Yeah, they try their best. Sometimes the signal's up, sometimes the signal's down. What are you going to do? Well, sometimes you're the hammer, sometimes you're the nail. That's just, right, just saying. that's right. Sometimes you're the windshield, sometimes you're the bug. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> you don't want to be the bug. No. SB Futures up 11, NASDAQ Futures up 57. We're going to try, try, try again, as they say. Dow Futures up 55. Individual stocks. Got Chevron down 247, so I'm guessing all's going to be down. Honeywell's down 460. That's over 2%. We have Microsoft down five bucks, so they're the ones getting they're the one getting whacked today in that, shall we say, uh, high tech area. But Apple is actually uh, up eighty nine cents after being down almost five bucks. We got Tesla up a buck after being down like twelve or thirteen. I'm going to say that's a uh, is that a dead cat bounce, Matt? What do you think? Uh, Sounds like it to me. Yeah. yeah, it does. Over in Europe, we've got the uh, Dax. Oh, these guys are <clears throat> we're off to the races here. Up two thirty two. That's one point six percent. FTSE up forty nine point six percent. They're the laggards as Goldman Sachs came out. So their, their recession is going to be almost as deep as Russia, 1.2% this year. Russia, 1.3%. That's according to Goldman. Mm. A CAC around down 114, 1.7%. Over in Asia, we've got the, uh, the Nikkei down 377, 1.4%. Now, they were not open yesterday, so this is kind of a comeback on those guys. Hang Seng up 647, 3.2%, 20,793. Even though I don't think I would ever invest over there, I sure as hell wish I'd have bought this thing. It's 14.5, probably November 10th, maybe. Uh, Shanghai up seven. Uh, that's 0.2%. Uh, so Hang Seng is the one that's just crazy. Um, <clears throat> they, for all of a sudden, I think we're going to let those companies back in. I don't know if we are or we aren't. That's a Kevin and Carl question, I guess. Uh, yesterday, the Dow was down 10, S&P down 15, Nasdaq down 79. After being very uh, buoyant, shall we say, during the show. Uh, Bonds down 10 basis points, 3.69. Bonds down 8 points, basis points, 2.29. As, as interest rates are uh, are going down again here. Japan up 7. Oh, they're right near the high here at 0.48 of the... They're going to let those guys run... Let the rates run to 0.50, and they're almost there. Uh, oil down 242, 74.51. That's 3%. Uh, where are the guys saying it's going to 120? A little late. Uh, Brent <coughs> down 265. 
for 79.45. The long while since we've seen Brent under 80. Natural gas up two cents, four dollar and one cent. So it's un, it's unchanged or down on the year. Even though his gas bill is, I'm sure, up. Mm-hmm. Arbob down eight eight cents, two twenty seven. We've got gold up fifteen eighty, eighteen sixty one. Trying to make it to nineteen hundred. That would be nice. Silver up thirteen cents, twenty four thirty seven. Copper down three cents, three seventy three. We have Bitcoin up one hundred sixty seven to sixteen eight twenty as it stays between this sixteen five and seventeen thousand area, seemingly for quite a while. And we have the U.S. dollar is down against both the euro, back up to 106, and the, and the British pound back up to 120, so it's down against both of those. Mm. A lot of stuff. Matt, what do you got for us? Traffic, right. weather, sports. Yeah, well, good morning, everyone. Currently 6.37 a.m. on January 4th, 2023. Traffic in Chicago is an accident westbound on the Jane Adams Tollway, currently blocking the two right lanes that occurred at the Desplaines Oasis and backs up to East Tui Avenue. Expect delays up to five minutes. Weather in Chicago, though, cloudy skies today, right now 37 degrees. A high of 39 degrees tonight, a low of 32. Weather in Phoenix, 51 degrees currently, cloudy skies, high of 65 and a low of 49. Yesterday in the NBA, Milwaukee Bucks beat Wizards 123-113. Thunder beat Celtics 152-117. And Kings win against Jazz 117-115. Tonight, Bulls play Nets here in Chicago. Game starts at 7 p.m. Central Time. In the NHL, Blackhawks lose to Lightning 1-4. Hawks, eight wins, two twenty-five losses this season. Hawks back on Friday against Coyotes. All right, that's all I got. Back to you, Chief. Um, Kevin, what's worse, watching the Hawks, listening to the Hawks, but every name that you hear that sounds familiar is on the other team, and they're all scoring goals. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's been that way the last couple of years with the Cubs, and it's sort of that way with the Bears, too, where you're saying, who's that? <laughs> <laughs> He's on your team, yeah. and yet they call out his name on a broadcast, and you say, who? Never heard of him before. Well, this guy on the other team last night, this is the Tampa Bay, Hadel, he was on the, in the Cubs, or the, the Hawks, and they're going, oh, don't worry, we got our number one draft pick. Wait a minute, the guy's like, he's young. They got rid of him for a, a, a future next year? This is the rebuilding effort? Mm. Kirby Duck, the guy was like three years in the league. What, what, what do we do? It's like Roquan Smith. He's a young man. What? You get a guy who you finally you finally land on a draft pick. You get rid of him for another draft pick. What what what? what are we, there's something here I'm just missing. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what it is. We can. Well, yeah. It, it, look, it's, many of the circumstances are different, and and you can you can question all of them. So, for instance, the the Roquan one, I understand better than any of the others because he asked for basically a a contract at the top of the league. And and the Bears countered to him with a, a you know what I would classify as a, a very generous offer, and they probably could have negotiated to the middle of that, but his response to their counter was no trade me, and then he sat out all of uh, uh, all of camp. He was in camp, but he didn't practice, and so you know I don't know how you negotiate with that. How do you? Uh, they got what they could get. I'm gonna. I'm gonna I, but I, you know how. how I'm, I'm, I'm turning. Um, why am I turning into Kevin O'Neill in 2023? <laughs> um, you, now, if I said that, you would say, "How do you know that? The man has no agent. We never got a word out of his side. Why are we listening to the Bears story?" Oh no, he said he wanted. He publicly said he wanted to be traded. But but I know at the beginning of last last year when they, but we never the idea that the, that the that the things were generous or whatever. We never we have, we, we he had no voice in the press. This is the entire bear side of the story. 
It might be true, but it's. But he never, he never came out and said, "By the way, this is what he offered me. This is what I wanted." I never heard that. Maybe, but that 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 was the story way before he ever got traded. But I know, but so I'm, I'm saying is this for what it's worth. But I mean, these 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 reporters got their nose right up the ass of the Bears. They're not going to give his side of the story. Well, they, they they do, but at the same time, they all have sources too. Well, I'm saying, but it, the source is usually the agent, and he didn't have one. Right? Yeah, I understand. Anyway, that doesn't mean they didn't get any leaks. Anyway, that means uh, they didn't get any good information. Anyway, we're talking about the, uh, we were going to mention before we get into, we've Kevin at least 15 minutes talking about what's going on with his school and what they're seeing going forward because they're obviously making adjustments in curriculum and things like that based on what they think the world's going to look like a year or two from now. Uh, I just want to get on this um, kind of crime and punishment thing a little bit, Kevin. I go back to my course at the University of Chicago. I can't believe I still remember this stuff. I mean, where the, the, uh, the uh, professor was talking about how, except, you know, when it's, <laughs> I guess somebody steals your girlfriend or these, these crazy crimes of passion, if you get rid of those, he says most other crimes are somewhat rational in terms of being able to take something and not think you're going to get caught or whatever. And he said the, the, the math for that is to, uh, to make sure that if, if somebody steals something, that the, that the penalty, even if it's a fine, the penalty is uh, whatever somebody, the value of what somebody stole divided by the chance of getting caught. So you make it a zero-sum game for somebody. So if you, get, if you steal a case of beer from the 7-Eleven and you got a 10% chance of being caught, then the, the, the penalty is 10, ca- is 10 cases of beer. So you'd say to yourself, I'm not going to get anywhere by stealing a case of beer because I have a 10% chance of getting caught. Then i got to go out and buy 10 others and give them back to these people. It, it's, it's a simple thing but um, other than that I think Kevin if you think people are rational it's like the trading floor had the same mentality and by the way Pullman any manufacturing place has the same mentality I mean, this is the way human beings operate it's like it's like it's a workaround system you design a side of a railroad car for forged bolts every 12 inches and all of a sudden you can't get the forged bolts somebody's gonna say all right we can go with cast bolts but now they got to be every eight inches it's, I mean, it, you, everything has some, most things have some sort of a workaround. And when you talk about crime and punishment, if you assume these people that are doing the dastardly deeds are at least somewhat rational on some level, I mean, I, I, my, uh, one of my good friends, uh, Judge Tuman, who just retired, he was the head of, well, he's been a, you know, one of the most famous judges here for a long time, but he uh, got in hot water with Tony Preckwinkle because uh, he's the one who said they needed a, uh, special prosecutor in the Jesse Smollett case, which of course they did. But Tony Preckwinkle was outraged that he called out her her, her girl her girl uh, Kim Fox. But anyway, so the guy retires. He's been in, been the head of the juvenile group forever. And this lady writes an article about how we can get some new blood in there now because he has this old ways of do- doing things, and uh, you know, and, and now we shouldn't really have all these these young people incarcerated. Okay, but. We go back to what I just said earlier. I'll try and keep this brief too late. Um, you look at the, the gun laws in Illinois. Okay, and the gun laws are actually very draconian, maybe worse than any other state in the country. Where if you if I go rob something someplace today with a gun, I think the minimum is like 15 years or some number. And if I discharge the weapon, it's like 30. So, now we now, but yet this happens all the time. <clears throat> now, now the question is, what's wrong with this picture? Well, obviously... In Chicago right now, the chance of me being caught is like less than 10%, or less than 15%, which is what it is. I mean, that's how many 
carjackings with guns. That they, they, only, they only have person of interest in like 14, 15% of the cases. So that number is really too low. But what else, what else would be the workaround if you're any kind of rationale? Well, well if you just looked at adults, <coughs> there basically is no workaround. But here's the loophole. If I want to be in the carjacking business, okay, well, I'm going to say it's a business, right, Kevin? It's a business like anything else. <coughs> and I'm going to use guns. How the hell am I? Well, I don't want to go to jail for 20 years if I ever get caught just for having a gun and a carjacking. Yet, wait a minute, wait a minute. If I can get people that are 17 and under, now, we don't even want to keep those guys in jail over the weekend, even if they have a gun. And oh, by the way, when they're 18, don't we expunge the record or 21 or something? Uh, why don't I just make my group 16 and 17-year-olds? Well, duh. Now, all of a sudden, every one of these carjacking things, not everyone, but a real lot of them are, are kids that are under 18. Being, being sent there by somebody else who's obviously an adult. So, okay, this is the workaround. Now, did the person who wrote the article, nasty article, kind of nasty, about Judge Tuman, did they have any brain in their head that says, okay, this is what's happening. The judge obviously figured it out. These kids are not, they're not regular 16-year-olds if they're being told by people who are 21 to go carjack people with a gun. We don't want them on the street. Yet the juvenile laws say that they're actually, you know, they're, they're just bad kids that we didn't give them enough lunches or something. I mean, well, let's pile on and, and say we don't want cash bail either for the adults. Yeah. Well, in a, uh, on top of it. Although and, and part of the rationality, Tom, is that when you are caught dead to rights um, and, you know, you're just awaiting trial, you're just awaiting trial. And you're out on uh, on bail, or you're out because there is no cash bail um, a- anymore, and, and and so they let you out. And you know the only the only thing that's going to happen when you finally go to trial is you're going to get the thirty years or the twenty years or whatever the time's going to be. Well, now what do you have to lose? Well, I, I think that this is a you know, I mean, if you don't show up if you don't show up for your case your your court date. What do you have to lose? But it, 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 you're going to jail either way. Take off, well, you this, know, and, and just and and just don't show. But this uh, is this has not happened yet. You can get, you can get lost in the city. Every every person who has, uh, I'll say, somewhat a conservative bent to them, is is totally outraged at this at this cash bail thing because all these people are going to be out in the street. Yet every person I talk to who's in the system thinks it's going to be just the opposite. You're not going to let these guys go, even though a lot of them are going to be found not guilty, and they're going to sit in jail for a year and a half. Yeah, we've seen we've seen too much to the contrary for the... Uh, um, we've uh, seen people that are... Uh, for the opposite. But but I, I, I'm with you in this regard, and, and, and here's where it factors in, is we do have a lot of people who do not have access to the same kinds of representation yes. and to the ability to post bail that uh, because of their, um, you know, personal circumstances, um, whatever it is, and yes, that, that part of it I would agree with is not fair. That's what we should be addressing, not just saying, oh, screw it, we just can't have bail. I, I, I totally agree, but, but you, you can't have a, a non-bail system and, and, have to, and people not get tried for a year and a half. Those, those two things are like oil and water. You can't do that to people. It doesn't make sense, does it? No. And yet, uh, they, it takes that long to, to get get a trial. So where? So so what? You know, where, 
uh, where's our where's our cost? Where's our pain point? Um, the, the the cost to uh, improve that is going to be in in part some streamlining of the system as it exists today, but it might mean more capacity in the legal system. It uh, you know just to, to get cases through, and it might also mean uh, more capacity in the prison system because if you start accelerating the uh, prosecution of cases, you're going to have a certain number of people who do go to jail, and so now you have to uh, you have to accommodate um, uh, that need. Okay. You know, it can, when you consider the societal cost of having criminals um, who who are not locked up, then it's probably um, a, a very good investment. Well, you also somehow you can't just have people. I'll use the term ratting in county jail. There has to be some sort of an education system. There's got to be something where at the end of the year and a half, you're you're somewhat better, or not just worse than you were when you went in. Spent a year and a half with all the all the even bad guys. You come out worse. Anyway, this, we can talk about this all year. What are you guys doing? What are you sensing? I just saw that this morning that uh, uh, Snow uh, CRM, Salesforce, not Snow, uh, is laying off 10% of their people and closing some offices. What what, what are you guys seeing? Are you going to see an influx of people wanting to change industries, in which case they'll be at your school? Or what are you, are, are the people who... Yeah, uh, we, we will. We always run counter-cyclical to the economy, especially... Um, you know, programs like uh, a supply chain management program or even business, uh, and, and, and certain, certain IT disciplines as well. Um, so, it, you know, when the economies it, look around here, it's a, it's a manufacturing economy, a manufacturing and warehousing economy, and when everything's robust, then, uh, you know, people are working 50 hours a week, and they're making good money, and they, they don't even have time for school. Um, and and that's you know that's a, a pretty broad generalization, but it it there's a lot of truth to that. So, so now that they've scaled back, we start to, we've seen uh, some enrollment increases lately, and uh, uh, and and we're going to continue to see them. Now the other part of it that I think is is a factor is is what's going to be uh, you know what's going to be the point of emphasis. I really think the world of uh, of analytics, data analytics, is uh, is really really important now. Uh, it's important in manufacturing. It's important in uh, um, uh, you know basically it's in, in, important everywhere uh, that uh, you know how people are dealing with their data and uh, and you know we we could get into a long launch about what's big data analytics and, and how does that all work, uh, but. But really, especially in supply chain, which is where you know I spend a lot of my time, the the idea that um, uh, you know that the one of the, one of the hottest jobs going is is supply uh, logistics analyst, um, and uh, and I, I think that's you know it, it's really important. So we're you know I I am personally uh, from my point of emphasis in making a shift. The other thing is, you know, I'm really redoubling efforts now to get into the high schools and start doing more, um, more, it, it's not vocational, because vocational is not the right word for what we do, uh, but more, um, more kinds of um, development that, that the kids can do so that they come out of uh, high school with credentials. So we, you know, there, there's always going to be uh, the kids who want to go to college, and and that's really you know it's important, and we can give that we can give them a big head start while they're in high school. 
they can come to us and finish up an associate's degree, transfer, get their bachelor's degree, and we can make that work. But there's a whole bunch of kids who aren't planning to go to college. Um, and if I can get them uh, coming out of high school with uh, basically a lot of uh, manufacturing slash warehousing types of training and certifications, industry types of certifications that are really well recognized and appreciated, they're going to, first of all, they're going to go to work in, uh, you know, anything but fast food. They're going to go to work in manufacturing. They're going to go to work in, in warehousing, and, and those, those jobs pay a hell of a lot more. And the part two of it is that they'll be on, because they have the broad base of training and, and always the most important thing for anybody in a leadership role in any company is that you have to, you know, you're more effective if you understand the whole business start to finish. And with what we do uh, for them, they come out on a fast track to be a supervisor uh, maybe by the age of 20, 21. Well, actually, believe it or not, Kevin, on Monday... He, uh, that's, you know, that, that's really doing something for the, uh, for the uh, young people is getting them, uh, you know, you, when, when you look at the alternative is to work at McDonald's uh, for a few years and, uh, and see what you want. You, you come in, you make good money, and you get on a track to be a supervisor. Then when you start to see yourself as, as a manager, a, a plant manager, maybe down the road, VP of operations, come on back to school then. Uh, so uh, you, the guy can sneak back under the cloak of darkness and when he gets a promotion to learn accounting and stuff, so at least he knows what the guys are talking about? Yeah, and, and you know, and we throw, uh, you know, I, look, I, I weave that into damn near every class I have either. anyway. It's just a, some real basics of accounting. You have to speak the language. You know, I'm, I'm going to teach a, uh, um, an, an informatics class this semester. I taught it, I taught it last summer, I taught it last fall, I'm going to teach it again. And I constantly keep harping on these guys. I said, look, you're, you're asking why I'm throwing in this stuff about accounting? Because for two reasons. One, if you, if you go to work in an IT field, um, you're going to want to get the good toys, and you better be able to justify that to your CFO. But more importantly, I'm just trying to make you a better IT right. professional. Oh, yeah. So and, if you're, that, you know, that's really the mission in here is, you know, how how do I make them uh, understand that? And I do the same thing with my supply chain students. Um, and, and and it's that it's how to do a presentation. It's how to attend a networking event. You know, I, all of that goes into the course as well as the material for the course. So if you're like middle aged guy in there for the accounting, do you get to wear shades and a hoodie so nobody knows you're there? Uh, no, they, and, and you know, I, I don't own an adding machine. Otherwise, I would bring it in. But I do have some really good technology relics that I do like to bring in to oh, yeah. show them. Hey, you know, I was thinking of you the other day, uh, actually Monday when I had my truck in the shop out in Orland. These guys are the best. It's a checkpoint. Uh, they, they're, they're, they're all Arab guys, I think. I, mean, I don't know what country, but they're from the Middle Eastern guys over there. And Because uh, the guys come in and all these older dudes come in and all they do is speak the, whatever language they're speaking. These guys take care of all these old guys. I mean, it's unbelievable. The guys come in, they work on a car for half an hour and charge the guy. It's, I mean, they really are in the community. And they are really good at what they do. I mean, even the places around there, like the fire... Firestone Place told me if I, we ever have an electrical problem, I sent it right over there. Those guys are the best. Well, I was sitting there, I was waiting for Audrey to come pick me up, and uh, so I was checking out the stuff on the wall. And the guy who runs it, he's got like twelve diplomas from Moraine Valley. You know, emission systems, uh, brake systems. You know, every part of the car the guys had, uh, he's got a certificate for from Moraine Valley. And other guys have a bunch of them too. They just don't 
go there and learn from a guy. They actually all have classes and diplomas in all these areas. Miss Omarine. Oh right? yeah, and so yeah, and and uh, I, I'm actually looking at doing some micro credential stuff just like that. So you may not get one of our uh, uh, degree credentials, um, but you may. Uh, uh, but you know what? Give me uh, uh, give me a few. Uh, Give me, give me four straight afternoons, uh, um, you know, once a week, and uh, and I can get you, uh, I can get you some really interesting certifications that. Uh, well, the, the, the one of the guys will, will is these nice line items on your resume. One of them's all you know, brake systems of every kind of vehicle. I mean, you got, it's a, uh, but I mean, the guys really know their crap, and and I'm going to say, given the fact that nobody can afford a new car, and every use every car repair place is jammed, everybody's looking for a mechanic. I got to believe you guys are jammed in that area. People want to be mechanics and stuff. Why? Why wouldn't you be? Well, yeah, and you know we have a, a very good automotive group um, who who handles all of that kind of stuff, as well as you know it's 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 sort of the same thing on a lot of uh, uh, the manufacturing automation, um, where it you know look everybody's looking forward to you know the the next generation. Of uh, of automation, and but that doesn't mean the older generation stuff is going away anytime soon. So yes, I, I you know I'm with you there that uh, um, that, that that group is is doing some good stuff. Uh, again, working on micro con- uh, credentials because keeping uh, keeping all of the robotic stuff that's going on, all of that, keeping that all afloat is really really. Uh, um, valuable skill for the workplace. Well, the guy says to me, the fact nobody can buy a new car is the best thing ever for his business. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet. He goes, he goes we got to keep these things running. Nobody can afford a new one. Well, duh. <laughs> I, mean, I really like these guys, but anyway, it's a, uh, what they did. And I said, what about, he goes, uh, I said, what do you think? I need a, a new buggy? He goes, well, if you could get one at a reasonable price, yeah, but since you can't, we'll keep this one going. <laughs> yeah, okay, then. You know, <laughs> you know, what else could you say? But, uh, you know, I mean, it, it is, like I said, this is, this is a workaround, Kevin. I mean, people looking for decent jobs, and they're there. And how do you get trained for them? And uh, it uh, be interesting to see, you know, going forward, if every semester you, you know, I'm not giving you an assignment here, but every semester, if, if you could chart. Yeah, I'll give the assignments yeah. around here, damn it. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you could chart uh, changes in enrollment in the various areas, whether it's, Supply chain versus auto mechanics versus you know whatever jet engine mechanic, just to see how what's happening in the economy is reflected in people's choice of curriculum. I bet that would be really interesting. I wonder if somebody, I bet somebody in your place already does that. Oh yeah, no, we and we got a whole analytics system. But I I'm, I'm could probably s- do it. If I have time. I bet the 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 difference in wor- the enrollment is uh is gonna it would be very. People will recognize what's going on in the economy maybe even better than we can looking at it, you know, the markets and stuff. Just from what's going on. Oh, well, you know, it, what what what'll be interesting is uh, is to slice it and dice it by age group, because I I see actually I, I have some interesting cases in the business curriculum, but for the most part, um, when you know when people come in to major in business, um, they're coming in out of high school. They're you know they're they're young people because they want to go get a business degree. And so we're a, a good place to spend the first two years, an economical place. They still get a really good quality of, uh, of education, and that's great. Um, now, where do those the, guys go for their second the two years? the supply chain stuff, I tend to get people coming back after they've been at work for a while. The first group, what's, what colleges do they, I mean, I'm sure they go to a bunch of different ones, what's their, their favorites? 
Well, a lot of them would want to go to uh, Bloomington to IU, and uh, just because they've heard of Russell. Oh yeah, Cause, um, just because Russell. Uh, but um, IU uh, South Bend, uh, IU Fort Wayne, um, Purdue Fort Wayne is uh, is a separate school now. Uh, Goshen College, uh, uh, Bethel College in, uh, over in I don't know if that, I think that's Mishawaka. Um, uh, so Bethel College is another one. And then there are several uh, onlines. Um, uh, Purdue Global, Ball State has a, a very good online program. Um, let's see, uh, you know, who else? I mean, there, there's, 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 there's a, lot of a bunch of Indiana Tech has a good online program. Uh, so, you know, you, you have, they have choices. All right, bud. Well, talk, to, talk at you Friday. SP Futures up 975, Nancy Futures up 4850. Be right back. Professor Russell Rhodes. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456, that's 708-349-3456, or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com, that's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. My advice to you: start drinking heavily. I think I'm going back to the things I learned so well. Well, and we'll stocks and jocks. I'm Tom Al. Had burn on the board. 
We have the Professor SP Futures up 13. The SP Futures up 60. We're still trying to hang in there to the upside, but I don't trust mm. it until the show ends. Usually we follow the last half hour. Yeah. We'll see. Do we have Mr. Russell? Professor? We do indeed. I'm here. How are you? Here Happy New Year, buddy. So tell us the secret of how you're, a, you're an old fart and a, gar- a cardigan and your daughters still think you're cool. Yeah, I've got them fooled. Don't tell them any differently. They didn't look like they were, the one I met didn't look like she'd fooled too easily. No, they're not. Trust me. Uh, they're, they're, uh, they, they put up with no BS at all. Um, and and they, the whole house full of women here completely keeps me in line all the time. How's the little so pooch? I have to escape to college every once in a while. Mm-hmm. How's the little pooch doing that's uh, you're, you're uh, watching in the, hosp- in the hospice thing? Actually, it, she's being absolutely insane this morning. Mm. She's, uh, French Bulldogs have this weird thing where they put a toy in their mouth and then they just slam it against people to try to get them to play with them. And that's what she's doing right now. She's running around with a stick in her mouth and hitting people with it. Um, this lady in, in she might be a little dominatrix in her. I don't know. Yeah. This lady had a little uh, Karen Terrier <laughs> in Indiana named uh, Willie, and Willie would drop the tennis ball, and if you didn't notice it, he would jab your calf with his paw. Like once every mm-hmm. twenty seconds, you get a little jab. Hey, buddy, here's the tennis ball. What are you doing? So they all have their way of. Uh, they all have their they have their quirks, and we have you know like uh, three different kinds of them. Hey, a little bit before before we move on to what you probably have keyed up for me. Um, the, uh, the you were talking about the Ivy Tech thing and, and you know where do they go next? Um, I'm leading study abroad for um, the Indianapolis campus for finance students on the Indianapolis campus, and I had to go through all. I, I had to I had to call the the number of people that got to go or get to go at spring break, and I think a third of our students had done some classes, if not a full two years at Ivy Tech. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Kevin, um, Kevin so that's in Indianapolis. That's at the Kelly School of Business at Indianapolis, which is a, which is separate. It falls under the Bloomington umbrella, um, but it's um, you know, but all the classes are taught in Indianapolis. What is the? Uh, I'm not going to say these are all the same, but I'm going to I'm going to ask. What is the relationship between uh, the Kelly School where you are and uh-huh. like uh, IU of South Bend or those other places? Um, um, well, it, it, we, we're, we're all under, like, we all share one big president. Okay. <laughs> yeah, she goes around all the campuses. She's absolutely wonderful. Um, and, you know, I talked about doing that roadshow thing that I do in November. Well, when I do that, I go to all those other campuses. So we work, to, and I've been asked to teach at those other campuses as well. But I'm not really sure, um, you know, degree-wise how, how all that works. To be honest with, yeah, yeah, because I'm not uh, sure how. Uh, I know, I know that the like the Kelly School of Business, they've got in Bloomington, they have finance, they have marketing, they have management, and then uh, everybody that's based in Indianapolis actually just falls under uh, a general Indianapolis umbrella. Yeah, because I mean, if you went to, for instance, IU in Chicago, University of Illinois at Chicago. I mean, I don't they, don't work, they don't work and play well together with champagne. That's what I mean. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think you get yeah, anywhere and, near and the I same. don't know what that's all about. And, and I, I taught at URC for a while. Um, and the, uh, have you ever seen a whacker pretty close to the old Merck? I can't believe I just called it the old Merck. Um, but the, the, on Wacker, about a block away, if there's a University of Illinois um, you know, alumni center or something like that that has some 
facilities in it. Okay, I didn't know um, that. Right. They, they have that here because if, if the people down in Champaign want to do something in Chicago, um, the, at least just the way it used to be, the UIC people won't let them use their facility. Well, I mean, I... I... Whereas, whereas it, it, you know, the IUPUI or what's going to become uh, Indiana at Indianapolis, they're actually going to change that name. Um, there's a very close relationship, where, whereas I teach classes for both. Well, I know if you try and fight your way into the business school in, in Champaign, it's really tough. And if your fallback position is UIC, somehow or another, the degree there doesn't doesn't catch the same sort of cachet, even though it should, in my opinion. Right. Uh, but I think you guys... Well, no, they're, they're two very different... They're, they're two institutions. Whereas Indiana, all of the... This is one of the... There are lots of things that are not done as well in the state of Illinois as they are in other states. And this is one right here. Um, you know, pretty, I mean, there are a lot of, a lot of great colleges in Indiana, but the university, or Indiana University, I always say that one backwards, Indiana University has like, I don't know, seven or eight campuses all over, um, and they, all over the state, and they share a lot of resources. Whereas, like, UIC and, uh, you know, Champaign don't play together very well and are two very separate entities. And when you, you know, when, when you're running similar businesses and separate entities in the state, it costs you more. Well, how much of this, Russell? There's, there's an economy of scale in, in, um, in Indiana that, that they don't have in Illinois. How much of this, Russell? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a shot at the business community. Oh, why not? Uh-huh. Why not? How much of this, or even or even the intellectual community, how much of this has to do not with the curriculum and not with the study or not with the advancements a student made? It has all to do with the selection process getting in. in I words, think it's a combination of both. I mean, does anybody really think... I, mean, I, mean, I never went to law school. I, mean, I went to business school. I went to University of Chicago, so I never had to yeah. apologize for that. But the... Uh, but but people hold me in high esteem essentially because of that. Why I have no? I mean, I, honestly, being the person who went there, I don't. I mean, was it? Is it the selection process that I must? I must have a brain cell working, or I wouldn't have gotten in. So they've already done. They they did my work for me if I'm hiring the guy. Or do I really think that his classes were that much harder than if he had gone to you know whatever? Uh, the Paul or, or Loyola Business School. I mean, I don't. How, how would anybody even know that? Or do they don't even care? Do they? No, it's, it's really funny. We, there was a girl at Loyola, and um, well, first off, it's, it's that yeah, your intelligence or your abilities have been screened, or you wouldn't have gotten into a really good program. And then the fact that you were able to get through it. You know, I mean, that, that's what the employer is going to look at. I mean, those two factors right there. So I think it's a, a, a combination of both of them. Um, I had a, you know, I was, when I was at Loyola, I was in charge of the MS and finance program, and I had a, a, a girl who had been in the undergrad at Loyola. She tried to get into Chicago. Uh, her boyfriend got in Chicago. She didn't, but she said she was actually helping him with his homework. Did she, did he dump her? Uh, no, she, not if she was doing his homework. Did she dump him? No. Did, and he did not dump her either, but she said, you know, because there's not a big difference between what we do and what they do. No, there isn't. I mean, I, yeah. the, only, the only difference for me that worked out, now if I'd have gone, uh, you know, on a 190 program, which was at night, 
Mm-hmm. You have to. You had to take twenty courses, no matter what. You couldn't get out of it. They wanted. They wanted the scratch even then, but now they really want the scratch. Uh, so you could take, you know, maybe ten or eleven of them, depending on what you p- you passed out of, were required, and the other eight or nine or ten were electives you could take anywhere. Well, if you're downtown, mm-hmm. where are you going to go? I mean, uh, yeah. So I mean, you're not. But I was. I was able to take. I think I took six or seven courses in the economics department. Maybe eight. That, that's how I picked up the Friedmans and the Stiglers of the world and mm-hmm. my, my course in history of economic thought and stuff. I, I essentially, I took more economics courses than I did business courses. So I, I really, you know, if I'd have bitched and moaned, I might have got, you know, some kind of a, a combination degree or something, but or at least talked them into doing something. But that, that, mm-hmm. that's all the stuff I remember. I'm, I have to believe that the, other, that the stuff in the business school would have been the same as anywhere. I mean, we're pretty close. Yeah, no, they are, and I and I taught at a, a variety of schools now um, in USC, Benedictine, Carthage, Loyola, and in Indiana. And for corporate finance, or like the the first level of finance that you take in undergrad, it's the same book in all of those schools. Yeah, well, I got to believe law schools. It's, it's one of a couple of books. Law school. Hey, what do you think of the of the article here? Irregardless, moving forward, it is what it is, an absolutely amazing inflection point of purposeless and ineptitude that overtakes so many mouths and fingers. Have you read this? I have not read this. Did you send this to me? I did not, but I, I will, I'll read them okay. to you. These are the full uh, list of the school's banished words and phrases for the year. Oh, goodness gracious. This is from the uh, University of Michigan, like Lake Superior or something place. Lake Superior State University. Oh wow, That's, that just sounds cold. Yeah, uh, the Michigan College. I just got a chill. Yeah, the Michigan College. All my, buddy, all my buddies are on it. It just sounds like it's on the lake and it's windy. Oh, and God. three feet of snow right now. The uh, the guys at Notre Dame, uh, I, I, for whatever reason, most of the hockey players lived in my dorm. I don't know. I knew maybe one or two football players. I knew all the hockey players. They're good guys, <laughs> all Canucks, <laughs> all characters. Love to love to play poker, love to play bridge, love to golf, and love to play hockey. And and they studied. I mean, they all studied hard, mm-hmm. uh, and they were all very bright. But they would make a trip uh, at that time. The the, the uh, was the IHSA, Internet, uh, Inter- something, something Hockey Association. But uh, it was Denver. It was St. Louis. It was all the hockey teams. Minis- uh, Michigan State, Michigan. Uh, there weren't very many hockey teams in the Big Ten or any place. Mm-hmm. One, of the, one of the teams was. I think it was Minnesota Duluth. It was in Houghton, Michigan, or someplace. It was on right on the shore of Lake Superior, and they go up there by bus. And guys go, "You didn't even want to go out of where you were staying. That a bar was so freaking cold." These guys are from Canada. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, here's the here's the list to banish. Number one on the list is goat, G O A T. Guess they were the greatest of all time. Yeah, they said you got to got to stop with that one. Number two is inflection point. Nobody knows what that means. Uh, well, I guess I kind of know what that means. The third quiet... I can't use the phrase inflection point. No, they don't want you using that. Uh, you don't want to okay. use the word quiet quitting. What does it even mean anyway? I never could mm-hmm. quite figure that one out. Quiet quitting just means that... Uh, I know so, uh, the consulting firm I'm with, the person that, that had the job before me, he kind of quiet quit. Okay. The he, third... just, he just sort of kind of stopped showing up because he was getting ready to go somewhere else, and then he went he went elsewhere. Yeah. The fourth so, was... That's, that's what it kind of... You know, quiet quitting is fo- is what we used to call say sp- phoning it in. It's just a different phrase for it. Mm. Ah, uh, gaslighting. I never understood what that was, but really? gas- gaslighting went off. 
I, I, I live in a house full of people that do nothing but gaslight. <laughs> what, what exactly is that? Educate me. Well, it, it comes from a movie. It comes from mm-hmm. a, a movie where a guy's uh, trying to scam a woman, and and he, uh, he he like moves the furniture around in the house every day, and she's like, "This is what happened." And he goes, "Honey, this has always been like this." Right. Yeah, Chief, that, that's actually a pretty classic movie. It's from uh, I want to say 1943, uh, Gaslight. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Angela Lansbury's in it. Actually. Yeah. She, really? plays, she plays the maid. Boy, you should have seen that in the theater. You didn't see that? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, that was around when you were... Uh, <laughs> here's here's Matt giving me grief about all movie. I love it. Um, <laughs> by the way, look, look at the improvements we made in Matt, Matt Byrne last year. Mm-hmm. Now, he's, he, he, doesn't, he, like, he likes piping in. He has good stuff to say. When he's, he first started, he wanted to talk it up. He's coming into his own. He is. Yeah. Uh, mo- they don't want you to use moving forward. They don't like amazing. Huh. They don't like people ask people constantly, does that make sense, which I do all the time, so i got to scrub that one. Irregardless, that one I get, because I'm not even sure it's even a word. Uh, I'm always taking, does that make sense, when somebody says that to me, it's an insult. Yeah, yeah. Like like they're almost saying, can you understand what I'm saying to you? Yeah, I get it, the sky's blue. Now, this ninth one, this ninth word, I don't think they want to scrub, they just want, absolutely. They said it, it is not an appropriate answer for a yes or no question. Except for climate change. All right. Because the debate is over on that one. Okay. But otherwise... Number 10 is... Oh, and, and, and I'm sorry, and, and um, getting um, vaccines. We get, we have to, we're okay with saying absolutely on that one. What else are we allowed to say absolutely on? I don't know, but it's, um, number 10 is it is what it is. That makes no sense yeah. to anybody anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, oh, that, that's, that, that, that just sums up every moment of everybody's life. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, it is what it is. <laughs> anyway, so all right, let us know what, what's. Uh, I just was reading this morning that somebody's saying that uh, Britain, UK, is going to be in a 1.2 percent recession this year, downturn in the economy. Russia is 1.38. You know, I've actually had a couple of people on the show ask me what my prediction on that is. You know what, Russell? I have no idea how exactly to calculate it, given the ridiculousness of the money supply bulge versus the consumer reports that are lousy or or the PCE which is lousy versus now the fact that these guys are actually pulling back on money supply in the balance sheet and uh, the numbers are coming in hotter than when they weren't. I I, I think it's very, very difficult to to determine what is nominal versus what is real here. Oh, it's it's extremely difficult because of the you know the inaccuracy around um, you know the the what we say is inflation. Yeah, I don't because I don't. when when you're talking about um, you know what the real return on something is, it's after inflation. And if in reality your personal costs are going up ten percent, but the government tells you they're only going up six percent, uh, you know, your real return is a lot worse than the government allowing you to declare. Are you based uh, on the inflation number? I'm going to ask you a, a, an institutional question. Uh, among all, among all, all you professors, I can only imagine if you guys get the, all get together, you're going to be like uh, Bill Murray. I want to party with these guys. I don't know about that, but uh, yeah. <laughs> no. <you see. laughs> um, has there been any? I've been I've been chirping for a long time here regarding the inflation this time versus 1980 is being so much different because. The world, our economic world, is so much more concentrated than it was in 1980 that it's a totally, mm-hmm. it's a totally different game. To where uh, some of it, 
a, a big percentage of it, to my, in my opinion, has become institutionalized in businesses that are protected. I'll use that term. And the, the, the Fed is able to really blow it up one way, but they're not ready to, they, they, they don't have the tools to bring it back the other way. Is, is, that, is there any sort of intellectual thought process in that in any of these economic departments, or am I a voice crying in the wilderness here? No, I mean, they, there's, there's this assumption that, you know, the Fed's action is going to help um, manage, you know, the overall economic forces, uh, and, and there, there's a belief that, that they have a lot of control over these things as long as they do the right thing. Um, there's, not a whole, there's not a whole lot of debate around that there. And, you know, most of the people on the Fed are, are former academics, so... Uh, the academic world's not not going to disagree with them an awful lot because they're, they're kind of towing the party line with the things that they do. Well, here, here's but I I have, I have I have a real problem explaining my even thought process here. This is what happens, I guess, when you I don't know mm-hmm. you lose your track of the language or something. But I guess I'll, I'll give I'll give you a quick example, um, Russell, and then, and then you can tell me if anybody's even thinking the same way. I think if the Fed pours a lot of money into the system and it blows everything up, gas prices, chicken prices, I mean, you name it, anything that's competitive will go up, and if they all of a sudden pull the money out, which they are a little bit, it's going to go back down. I mean, I really believe that. I'm a monetarist at heart. Yet, mm-hmm. what, I'm, what I'm trying to, to differentiate, I'm having zero, zero ability to do this with anybody, so maybe I'll try you, is... They blow the money in there at 30%. Gas prices ex- explode 30%. Uh, the market explodes 30%. Now they start pulling the money out. Guess what? The market's going back down. Gas prices are going back down. However, natural gas prices went from $4 to, say, 9 or 10 or 12 last year on one, one occasion. Right now they're, they're down to the, uh, the same amount they were last year. Yet every... I'll be nasty here. What the hell? Every sleazy utility took their mangy ass down to their whatever state ICC department they had, and they got these massive increases. Now, I know there's some kind of formula there, but, you know, I don't know how much the formula is. And I'm going to say people's gas bill, for people's and North Shore and anybody, is double, triple, not not triple, but double, up 50%. It's double. It's mm-hmm. up 50%, even though the natural gas prices have, in fact, come back down. So in 1980, I, I mean, they still were monopolies, but I, I, I think that a big, per, a big percentage of the population now, the, when I say the population, places the average person spends money, has now gotten so concentrated that the Fed can make it go up, but they can't make it go back down. And I'm going to say the average person right now, whatever they think they're saving in gas prices, which they are, by the way, knowing that with a 42-gallon tank truck, I'm probably paying that in my gas bill. I'm, I'm not ahead. Because North Shore and Peoples, nobody's going to get a call from Pritzker and say, hey, bleeps, gas prices back to $4, drop yourself back to where you were last year. That's not going to happen. And I don't think uh, Northwestern is going to get rid of the $10,000 a night over, you know, night in the hospital and drop it to you know, 8 where it was at the beginning of the year. I think it's very, very difficult since this stuff has become so... I don't think the, the academic community... In my opinion, you maybe have because you've been in a, in, a, in a competitive business until it became non-competitive, the action business, your whole life. I don't think these other guys understand what all this concentration has done to these prices and, and, and the ability of the Fed to act. I, I think they can act to the upside where people are gleeful and then lock it all in, but when they're going back down, I don't think people's, I bet 60% of people's 
expenditures over the year do not come down? Oh, never. I, 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 I mean, you reach a certain level, and uh, the best case scenario for the consumer is that prices stay flat. I mean, there are only a handful of things that really have a, a, a true academic supply-demand type of balance, and they're even a bit skewed. I mean, we talk about gas prices all the time. I think that's, and, I mean, automobile gas prices all the time. That's the one that's in our face every day. I'm sure you drive, you, you drive the same way to work every day, I think. Yep. Uh, you've never given me a ride because um, it would take you an extra hour and 45 minutes to pick me up well, to get to work. You were in happy, but, um, you're in happy suburbia. I know, I'm unhappy. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have rough I'm, and tumble. I'm hunkered down and happy suburbia. I'm in the rough and tumble um, city. Yeah, I'm afraid of the city. That's why I'm not here. By the way, um, my, my guy tells but, me... But my point was, you probably drive by the same gas station every every day, and you probably notice if it goes up or down, or you notice that, you know, God knows when I'm in other states, and I was uh, in Oklahoma you know, a couple of weeks ago, and all the all the gas prices started with a two. Yeah, oh yeah. Well, uh, you know, that's where... They, they add the gas. So it's really, it's really cheap there. But you see those, um, and, and I'm going to sound like a complete Texas jerk here, but um, my, my wife is one that goes to the grocery store, and she she notices the difference on the grocery prices, and those do go up and down based on supply demand. Uh, Russell, you got to move to a different but Most things don't, like mm-hmm. you just mentioned, the, the, the state of Northwestern. That'll never, it, it, never in a million years will it be cheaper at some point than it was today to say it, you know, something like that where it's not a pure supply demand. You don't have a choice uh, if you're going to Northwestern. I, mean, is, I guess you have a choice to do that. But is this, to, but, um, two, two uh, things, one is... something that you're able to be quite sensitive about. Well, t- two things, <laughs> when you, uh, you need to find a different spot in a room, that's number one. Uh, I'm not, you know what, I'm not moving. This is on you and your equipment because when it gets really cold... Every every winter, mm. I'm choppy. Um, maybe it's I'm your you. maybe it's the happy suburbia's tower. You got snow on it or something. Uh, perhaps yeah, that mm-hmm. might be it too. Go ahead. Uh, uh, but I haven't I haven't moved. Also, I'm under a bunch of dogs. Well, the uh, or my my question is back in the in the early seventies when uh-huh. when there were these areas of uh, I'll use the term cartels, airlines, trucking, where you needed uh-huh. uh, all that kind of stuff. The, the, the major push to change all that and to break all that up because of its non-competitiveness and how much it was costing people came from academia. And mm-hmm. I the entire... I, I wish I could put my finger on it. If there was a time machine, I'd love to go back. The, the only time I've ever experienced it in my lifetime or read about it where there's been those kinds of changes where there was somehow or another there was this... Uh, symbiotic relationship between academia and some people in Congress that there was time for a change in all this stuff happened in the early 70s. And I, I, for the life of me, I can't figure out what made that time or those people so different. You're not, you're not seeing any sort of a hue and cry. At least I'm not. That's why I'm asking you because you're closer. I'm not seeing any sort of a hue and cry out of academia in, in, uh, in medical pricing. And like, wait a minute, why exactly is, and then no. you know, in two thousand was it was a thousand bucks a night in a hospital, and now it's ten. I mean, what I mean, what what are we doing? I mean, I don't see any sort of that hue and cry that says, you know, with, with the stuff that Carl comes up all the time. If you look at the growth of now, Medicare gets a cut because 
gets you know, Medicare only only cares about people that are over sixty five, and their discounts yeah. their discounts for people are incredible. I mean, you can get. I mean, I know people have gotten bills that you know the the the, the whole number was ten grand, and the pen Medicare pays like twelve hundred, and everybody's happy. Well, a regular mm-hmm. person, I'm 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 really surprised. Not so much that there isn't so much of a hue and cry now, but I wonder what was so different in the seventies where. It was all over academia. It was all over the, even the the mainstream papers. Hey, we got to we got to deregulate these airlines. This is crazy. We can't just trucking. It just doesn't mm-hmm. work this way. I'm not, I'm not I'm not seeing any of that now. Is it because, is it the media? Is it the academia that's, that's afraid to say something? Is it these companies are are so are, have gotten way better than the ones were in the seventies at controlling the dialogue? Or what do you think it is? I mean, we can talk about this after break, but somehow or another, there's areas now that are way worse. Than, than the trucking companies were in 1973. I mean, I would say hospitals are way worse than the airlines are. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not even close. I mean, I mean, look at what's happened in the medical community where the doctor isn't even anywhere near the highest paid person anymore, is he? I mean, it's all... Oh, probably not. I, I, probably not. I could, I could actually... Uh, because, because a lot of hospitals are, are owned by universities and everybody's salary at universities is, is public knowledge. Uh, I would assume that the, the administrators probably do much better than many of the doctors. I would bet if at, we... Uh, at university hospitals, at least. I would bet someday if your lovely bride ever retires and wants to talk about the industry, she could talk about nurses' salaries versus administrative salaries and who does more for the place. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, you know, I, well, I teach, a, and I know we're up against the break, but you know, I, I teach a class for nothing but healthcare professionals. It's a graduate certificate in medical management. I mean, I already hear all about. I hear all about all of this. It's unbelievable. Anyway, SP Futures yeah. is up twenty-one. Nasdaq Futures up ninety-two. Russell, are we going to actually stay up today? Or are we going to? F- I hope. Full them. Me too. <laughs> we we'll right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with time actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luck Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. 
I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Stocks, and jocks. You are out of control. Low and back stocks from Jackson. I'm tomorrow. Matt Byrne on the board. SP futures up 21. NASDAQ futures up 86. Dow futures up 111. The stack that's keeping us in the dumper here in the Dow is, we're not in the dumper, but Microsoft's down 580, 2.4%. You got Chevron Texaco down 2 bucks because all uh, prices are down. I'm a little worried about that group, even though every one of my, I've talked to Russell about this, but virtually everybody that I manage money for wants to be in the oil stuff, and I. You know, man, the prices are a lot higher the oil companies than the last time uh, oil was at seven, at eighty dollars a barrel. So I'm, I'm a little, little nervous about that group. I'm, I mean, I've been more protected, so it's okay. But still, I, not so sure they're not all ahead of themselves. But mm. you know, the DAX up two thirty eight, one point seven percent, big move there. Puts up twenty seven point four percent, not necessarily following on. Is uh, I think as Morgan Stanley says, the, the, one of the dark, darkest, deepest recession this year is going to be in England, almost as bad as Russia. Kekaran up 119, 1.8%. So I said the FTSE's only one not following really to the upside there. Nikkei down 377. Now they were not open yesterday. Uh, so careful with that one. It's down 1.5%. Hang Seng up 647, 3%. I got to believe that Russell bought this stuff at 14.5 that one <laughs> night in the middle of the night. Wow, that's an unbelievable. It's up 30% in like five weeks. Shanghai up 7 to uh, that's 0.2%, almost flat there. Yesterday is a way of review. Dow is down 10, S&P down 15, NASDAQ down 79, but that doesn't tell a tale because we were way up in the morning. And again, we finished down low. Uh, bonds, 10-year down 11 basis points, 3.68, so the rates are going down here. Uh, Bund down 9, 9 basis points, 2.28. Japan the other way, up to 0.48, almost to the top of the 0.50 top end that the government says they're allowed to move to. Oil down a buck 87, 75.06, ouch. Brent down a buck 84, although they, they crept back over 80. 80.26, last time we did this, it was slightly under 80. Natural gas up a penny at $4, $4 even. Gold up 17.90, putting a whip to gold here, trying to make it to 1900. 18.64, silver up 22 cents, 24.46. Copper down 2 cents, 3.74. We've got Bitcoin up 165, 16.8. It's been really quiet between 16.5 and 17,000 now for a while. And we have the US dollar uh, down, uh, down against both the euro. Which is back up to 106 to versus the dollar, and then down to the pound almost 0.8%. Back up to over 1.20, it has been for a while. Then it was down the last couple of days. Anyway, what do you got for us, Traffic Weather Sports? Yeah, good morning. Currently 7.36 a.m. on January 4th, 2023. 
Now, traffic in Chicago, traffic light this morning. No major accidents or backups to speak up. Uh, but tonight, Bulls game at United Center at 7 p.m., so watch out for traffic around the stadium before and after the game. Weather in Chicago, currently cloudy skies. Right now, 38 degrees, a high of 39 and a low of 32 tonight. Weather in Phoenix, 50 degrees currently, cloudy skies, a high of 65 and a low of 49. Yesterday in the NBA, Milwaukee Bucks beat Wizards 123 to 113. Thunder beat Celtics 150 to 117, and the Kings went against Jazz 117 to 115. Tonight, Bulls play Nets here in Chicago. Game starts at 7 p.m. Central Time. In the NHL, Blackhawks lose to Lightning 1 to 4. Hawks eight wins to 25 losses this season. Hawks back on Friday against Coyotes. So I got back to you, Chief. So uh, Russell, the. Uh the Celtics are one of the best teams in basketball, and the Thunder is one of the worst. How do they go to Oklahoma City and lose by 32 and give up 150 points? Like the, it's like the Bulls, for God's sake. They don't care. Well, they just, I mean, it's not, I guess it's not who you play, but it's I, when you play them. I, I, yeah. uh, I, I'm, I'm so down on sports these days, it's ridiculous. But, um, you know, it, Derek Rose who spent a year, I don't want to say, spent a year at University of Memphis where I went, um, which, we, we, you know, his, his career there was very nice. He, he almost won the national championship, but Calipari was a better coach. Had them foul when they were bringing, when Kansas bringing the ball up, it, they, Memphis probably would have had a championship that would have been taken away from him for uh, doing scumbaggy things. Um, but um, when he got to the NBA, he he played what Simeon, and then he played at Memphis, where he only lost twice. Yeah, uh, they. It, I, I remember reading an article about how they they. And this is a quote from the article: They taught him how to lose. Taught him how That's to lose. Exactly what they said. He took it so hard when they would lose games, and like, you know, the, the veterans took him aside and said, "Look, man, it's a long season, and we're going to have off nights, and it happens, and you you just you know." That, that's just the way it goes. So don't 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 take this so hard. Um, and and you know I, I think that's you know if, it, if somebody's going to pay me a big salary and and I can get away with half-assing it every once in a while, I'm probably going to half-ass it every once in a while. I just I just think when you have a that long of a schedule and that travel and stuff, and sometimes you're doing oh, that too. three and, games and, and four and nights, and, and, and that's part. You know I, I oversimplified that and said they just taught him to lose. But there was a lot, a lot around that as well. You know, like, look, man, uh, you know, we got, we play a lot of back to backs. You can't let this keep you up. It's going to ruin the next day. No, there, no, there, there's something to that as well. I would have. Uh, it's a good thing I wasn't a uh, major league baseball player. Uh, baseball has been very, very good to me. Remember that? That mm-hmm. skit, the, uh, was that was that Garrett Morris? It was Garrett Morris. Um, yeah. <laughs> and not Sam Sosa. No, it was Garrett Morris. And uh, but I, 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 boy, I hated to lose. God, I hated to lose. I don't know if I was on a major league baseball team, or even if you're like the, the you know the 1920s Yankees, you still lost 60 games. I, yeah. I mean, I, I just, boy, I just, I didn't. I mean, I was not crazed about it, but uh, I don't know. There was always a way. Some I could have done something better, or somebody could have done something better. Actually, you know, I, I never, I didn't have a big problem necessarily with losing. I just had a problem with not playing well. I understand. I mean, if we had if we played a team that was a lot better than us, that was supposed mm-hmm. to win by six runs and we and won by one or two, that I could handle. Or they won by one or two because if all of a sudden we, if we did our best and just we're in a league where there's some teams who are just better than us, mm-hmm. I could deal with that. But if, if all of a sudden we made like really a couple of really dumb mistakes that cost us the game, I just I was I was apeshit basically. Yeah, 
Yeah. Not throwing stuff. I never did anything like that, but I just felt like, what am I doing here? Why, why can't, why can't I, why, why do we do this? Especially if yeah. I screwed up. And then it really pissed me off. Just saying. Well, you got you to put that away. It should, you know what? If you had a terrible day in the market yesterday, and, and like, what the hell was I thinking? Which I know never happens to you. Yeah. Uh, you dust yourself off, and you get back up, and you start over today. Well, you know, I, if I would have taken a psychological test before I ever became a, a trader on the floor, I would have flunked being a trader. Because I probably felt ten times worse on a bad day than I felt on a good day. Mm-hmm. And it should be sort mm-hmm. of even. And if I had a good day, that's what I'm here for. That's, Never what, I'm even. Su- that's what I'm supposed to do. And if all of a sudden I made it's two bad trades and had a bad trade, I was just so pissed at myself. But then, you know, I'd go to the, I'd go to the health club, you know, pound away on the weights for a while, do some running, and then uh, I'd go grab dinner with Dr. J, and by the time the next morning started, I was good to go again. It's a, it, in academically, what you just said, um, it's been shown that we take losses three times harder than, we, than the pleasure we get from gains. I, I think I'm right there. I was at least there. Yeah, it's, it's, three, it's three to one, and it's pretty normal. Hey, uh, well, I don't know if you were listening earlier. Uh, Kevin and I talked a little bit about the uh, I got the article here about Amazon and uh, and Apple and how they're down $833 billion on the year and how well, I've got Tesla pushing a trillion. Explain to me, prof- what, is, what is the... In, in this crazy world where it went up so fast, it came down pretty much so fast. It, it almost it seems different to me. I mean, I know some people bought the top and are just dragging here, but I also know a real lot of people mm-hmm. just had it two years ago, watched it go up, maybe didn't take a loan out on it, didn't, didn't sell it, but they also didn't take loans out on it, didn't take margin loans. Just kind of went up and they didn't do anything and it kind of went down and didn't do anything. I mean, it, but there's got to be other people. I mean, the fact is, in three stocks, there's damn near three trillion dollars off people's brokerage sheets. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, how does I can't even, for God's sake, Russell. When I when I was younger, the the the, the budget for the state the the U.S. was a hundred billion. For God's sake, I mean, now we're talking about, now we're talking almost three trillion. It's, how do, how does that amount of wealth come out of the economy and not not leave a mark? Well, it's in people's sa- it's in people's savings and in their retirement. And you know that that it, it will leave a mark in the long run, and you know unless people are able to, to recover one way or another. Um, but I mean that it, it's it's not in the the your your monthly cash flow living from data you know from month to month. Right. So I think that's where it's not. But you know it, it's it's a problem that you know, if if your you know if your retirement was. If, Hypothetical number here. If your retirement account was ten thousand dollars in the last year, and now it's around, you know, you haven't put anything in, and it's around seventy five hundred or so. Uh, you know that that that's a long term problem, not a short term problem. Okay. So that, I, I don't feel like it's that sort of uh, loss of wealth is not necessarily you know working its way through to the economy because a big portion of it. Uh, wasn't going to be used in day-to-day economic activity. Yeah, I don't, uh, I just, yeah. I, had, I had sort of a, boy, this is a, oh, people from FINRA aren't listening, because you don't ever want to equate investing to gambling, but mm-hmm. there is, there are, there, there are certain uh, similarities, shall we say, in terms of instincts <laughs> and everything else. And uh, 
I learned at a very young age, my family, all they did was they loved to gamble. They played cards, they went to their horses. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I learned this. At a, at a, I, mean, I, I could play a reasonably decent brand of poker at probably age seven. You know, my instincts are long gone. Mm-hmm. I haven't played in years, but uh, <laughs> actually, knew a lot about the horses <laughs> at age twelve. I mean, you know, I, mean, I know all about peri mutual betting and all that stuff. And oh my, um, my my wife who's looking at me right now, um, she uh, her parents didn't realize this, but when her grandfather would watch her, they uh, they went to uh, Melrose Park <laughs> and, <laughs> and and watched the Hackney. Uh, you know the ones with the little cards. I mean, they went to Maywood. It, it was she, in she, it, the woman can barely add, but she is awesome at picking horses. Well, you know, I, I used to love the trotters. The uh, because yeah. because if, if you go, and what, what, what's what's great is she told her dad about this, and, and he was like, he, he took you to the track. They never knew it. <laughs> I, I used to pick up. Well, I was trying to think of, but I, I've always loved that part. I used to pick up the you, tickets. You know about the horses because your grandfather did what? Yeah. <laughs> I used to pick up the ticket and see if anybody threw away a winner. But I used to love, you know, for those that don't know anything about horses, uh, the, the the flats are the thoroughbreds, and then the, the sulkies are the harness are the harnesses, and, and the little buggies. And uh, those are standard breads, so those guys can run every week. They rarely get hurt, unlike the thoroughbreds, which, you know, they're always having problems. But uh, thoroughbreds is, is really tough. I mean, I mean, your wife would, I'm sure, is, you know, there'll be, there'll be like eight horses running, seven furlongs that have never run more than six. So you're sitting there going, yeah. what the hell? But now the, the, all the harnesses, every race is a mile. You know the times of everybody. You see who they ran against. You get a pretty good idea, you know, how, how fast they are and who they're, what, what mm-hmm. their competition has been and, all this, and those kinds of things. And, and it's, it's a fascinating sport because one of the ways they keep it even is they have these, they have these allowance races. You know, you, I'm sure you know what an allowance race is. I do not, because I, I never went to those. Okay, so. well, it'll, well, it's there might be nine races, but some of them are are the are the features where there's big prize money. Yeah, there's some that are handicapped, and there's they call an allowance race, and they'll say that at the end of uh, that if you put your horse in there to to go and get the uh, the prize, which might be you know two grand, three grand, or something back in those days, the the horse can be bought at the end of the race for for six. Well, actually, you have to give your intention before. The horse can be bought for seven grand or six grand. They'll say it's a six thousand dollar allowance race. So you're not going to mm-hmm. see Secretariat in there to win the three grand because somebody could buy Secretariat for six grand. It's the way they kept it even. Pretty okay. fa- pretty fascinating, wasn't it? From an economic yeah, point. I've never heard of, it, but yeah, it makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to say, okay, put your horse mm-hmm. in here, go for the prize. But if your horse is too good, somebody can buy him from you at, at, at a predetermined price. It's a very fascinating way of keeping things even. But I always, I always thought, thought that the harnesses were at least intellectually easier to bet because everything was a mile mm-hmm. and everything had the times. But how do you how do you how do you bet a horse that has never run seven furlongs? A furlong is an eighth of a mile, right? Yeah. Uh, you gotta you gotta see who was fading at the end of six. Yeah, but how the hell do sure you, you don't bet on that? How do you know that? The weird part it's it's almost like like stocks in some ways mm-hmm. because the first thing you did if you're going to track. Those are Matt. Can you imagine? Sometimes used to have when they actually had real papers. They had a green turf edition that came out at nine thirty every morning after the morning. It was it was all about the horses. So all the well, you'd, you'd go to the newsstand and you'd buy the turf edition. And of course, while you were there, you buy the daily racing form. And when you got to the track, you bought the red sheet and the green sheet. And there'd always be a couple of old dudes selling you their tout sheets. So you buy those. 
So you got five sheets in front of you. And half, half the time they had five different winners. <laughs> You're right back where you started from. Everybody, everybody picked. It's like stocks. Everybody picked a different stock, right? It's kind of a yeah. So what do you, what do you make of uh, this coming year? Talk about switching gears. We got these these stocks where all this wealth is down. It's really hard. I don't see any mutual fund money coming in in the afternoon, even though this is a time of the year where people have put money in their mutual uh, in their four hundred one k's. There's no mutual fund buying on the close in a, in the last eight weeks, 20, ten weeks, easy, Russell. Unless you've seen some, I haven't. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the close we close maybe maybe last Friday there was some buying on the close because we were down and finished almost unchanged the last day of the year. But I don't see any kind of retail in, in movement here. Do you? I mean, I, it just seems like everybody's just sitting this one out or something. I don't know. I, I don't. I can't even describe uh, it. I, I think retail is definitely in a wait and see position right now. Uh, and and it's because we get so, you got so many mixed signals out there. Uh, like if you look at everybody's been sharing, uh, you know, Wall Street Bank's forecast for the S and P five hundred. You know, where will it be at the end of this coming year? And I've seen everything from thirty one hundred to fifty two hundred. Yeah, I I cannot recall everybody. You know, it, 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 that much that that wide of a range as far as what people think is going to happen. So I, I think there's money that's just sitting on the sideline because of so much uncertainty. But personally, um, you know, when when we're when we've already been off 20 percent or so, uh, I've got no problem buying stocks for the long run. And when you're not seeing, you know, when you're not seeing the retail flows, and you're not, you, you can kind of see it. But like, I think ETF flows were down. Uh, on your, they weren't negative, but the rate of growth was down in 2022 versus 2021. I think it's the first time we've seen that because ETF popularity has been going through the roof. Uh, and it, 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 like you said, it, it's just an indication that I think retail's not not putting their money in stocks either because they need it to buy milk and gas or, you know, there's just some uncertainty around stocks and they're, they're kind of waiting to wait, waiting to make sure that they're going up before they pile in. I'm uh, and, I'm moving. And, uh, and I think that, and I, I think that's going to be the kicker for the second half of this year. That we're going to feel like the worst is behind us. The Fed's going to finally be on hold, and you're going to want to you're going to want to hope that you own stocks by the end of 2023. They're, they're going to. I think they're going to be on hold interest rate wise, but mm-hmm. they're still going to be draining some of the balance sheet and stuff. And the way that thing is constructed, that means that money's coming out of the system. Yes. Yeah. So and they've been able to do it so far without, you know, I mean, stocks are not behaving well, but, you know, they're, they're not destroying the stock market. They're in some stocks, they're, Russell. They're quickly deflating the stock market. I don't well, you know, whoa, 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 whoa. It's very, very seldom that I, that I try and stump the Russell. But uh, I'm going to say mm-hmm. that uh, in the queues here, we are... Oh, we're down like thirty something percent. Okay, but I'm saying when when all this craziness started, we're talking about February two thousand and twenty. Okay, yep. the, the the queues were at uh, two thirty. All right, and they and they started pouring all kinds of money in the system. And I remember saying a hundred times on the air, and you did not really debate me, uh, saying it's not the price of stock that's going up; it's the price of dollar going down. And and mm-hmm. and the, the the queues made it to. Uh, there had to be a day here where we were four hundred. Were we three ninety five or something? Now we're well, on, that, was it was it the high in the queues like a year and a day ago? 
It was. Uh, I thought the I thought the high was. Eleven twenty two twenty one. Okay. Eleven right, so some, so somewhere about in there. Ago. Yeah, somewhere in there. And now we're down mm-hmm. to two sixty six. So we're only ten percent higher than we were before COVID. Before the Fed put the bulge of thirty five forty percent in, and now they're taking it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, now they haven't taken it all out, but the market has given up quite a bit of what. But I guess, I guess what I'm what I'm saying here is I'm I'm, I'm changing. Now again, I, I never give strategies on the air, but. I've been doing, every, everybody knows that I do a protected program. It's a real strict protected yeah. program. We have puts for every every share of stock. And this year we've done relatively way better than the market, um, but not a winner. Some people we're mm-hmm. a little more aggressive with, we actually are up. But, you know, we're down somewhere between 1% and 6 or 7%, depending on if the guys were in the queues or down a little bit more. Uh, some, of the, some of the stuff we're actually up, you know, so I mean it's, but it's not 20, 20 or 30 I mean, it, so everybody pretty much has their arrows in the quiver, uh, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking this year, my somewhat prediction is that we're going to stop going down, but really not going to go up. I don't see where we were going to get the gas money wise to go from 3,800 to 5,200. I don't know what that guy's smoking, but you know maybe he's right. Yeah, uh, I don't see where we're going to get the gas if the Fed keeps draining the balance sheet. So I'm, I'm you know, I'm a little so I'm I'm trying to move into somewhat of a of a covered straddle right type of thing. Uh, for, for Now, these are for people that still have a lot of dough, that are, are still working. Not, if, you're on a, if you're not working and you're on a pension, I'm, not, I mean, I, I'm still going to recommend always being protected all the way. But for some people, that strategy worked for like two decades before we just started going up every year, a covered straddle mm-hmm. right. I'm wondering if maybe that isn't the next strategy of the time. So I actually have a few people like three or four that are saying, we're with you, and we're going to put some money together, I mean, individually, but I'm going to do the same trades in everybody's account, uh, to, uh, to push that. But you know what, Russell? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not ready to declare that we're, we're done going down, so I'm going to kind of wean my way into it to have some kind of a combination, protected versus covered straddle right, for the first mm-hmm. few months to, like, I might buy, you know, one at the money put and sell two out of the money puts or something on an extended calendar. I have some protection for the next six months because I'm not convinced we're at the bottom here, and I'm, I'm gonna try and work my way into it because I think that because if we're gonna be flat for three or four years, which I think we might be, that's the world's best strategy. But you know, strategies oh, really, yeah. strategies are only good for the time. You know, obviously we went through a few years where all you wanted to be is long stock, long call, short put. You know, right? Because all we did was go up. Yep. But I mean, that, I think that ship might have sailed for a while. It'll happen again. But I don't think it's going to be necessarily this year. What, do you, what is if you get a? Uh, you say University. I am. Um, you know, if, if I were going to do something protection wise, uh, I think I would buy you know a slightly out of the money put, uh, sell a farther out of the money put against what I own, and then sell a call as well. So you're and talking about you buy a five to ten percent upside. All right. Now, what you just said, if you were, if you were, t- what you do, if you talk to retail people. It reaches a point, like like say Apple. Okay, now Apple was, mm-hmm. you know, if it's at 170, you might say, I need insurance all the way down. So I'm going to buy the 170 puts, and I'm not going to let loose. I mean, if it goes down to 160, I might roll them down. But but, but you, one of the things you can do is say, well, you know what? I think Apple, I don't know if it's necessarily worth 170, but I'm not sure you even got to that point. But I might buy the 170, 140 put spread and say, well, the, the lowest it could go is yeah. 40. 
Okay, but I when we were way up, I never really had that feeling. But now that we're down to 126 in Apple, I don't know. If you buy the 125, 100 put spread, it might be good enough, even if we go down. I mean, it, I mean, I, you know, could it go below 100? Sure. You know, but I think it's much less likely. Let's put it this way. A 25-hour put spread for insurance right now, even though it's not total insurance, I'd be happier with it now than a 25-point spread at 170, wouldn't you? Oh yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I I'd want to. I, I wouldn't want to give up too much upside because um, I do think when the stock market starts to get going the next time around, it yeah, you know, it's going to be one of those melt up. We're going to have to chase it a bit. So I want to. I want to be able to have some upside and, and not you know crush all of my upside. Uh, so yeah, I think you know something like that where you're not spending too much, but you're getting partial protection as opposed to full protection. That's exactly the direction I'd be going. And, you know, there, there are all kinds of programs like that out there now. Um, they worked for a while. They didn't really work too well last year. No. But, um, you know, which means fewer people will be doing them because they didn't work last year. Well, you know, I, but, uh, when you say programs, I mean, that's the one thing I hold myself out as, Russell, is that, you know, I, I can execute a program probably better than most because I've been doing it for so mm-hmm. long. But I also am not locked into a program. I, I mean, the idea is to match the program with the times. Yeah. But here I have a question for you. Uh, well, you you start mentioning that you think you know the market will come back. And by the way, I'm with you. I think it will too. But now in two in 2000, as you recall, even though you were you know were a teenager, uh, in 2000 we got absolutely our ass kicked in the market. The Qs went from 120 to what 25 or something. And there were five stocks, if I can name them. Oracle, uh, Citgo, not Citgo, um, Cisco, Cisco, uh, yeah. Microsoft, Intel, and I believe it was Dell. Were those the big five? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I feel like we're I feel like we're missing one in there, but yeah, go ahead. But they were. I, th- I feel like we are too, and maybe it isn't Dell. But yeah. anyway, there were there were five stacks that made up forty five to fifty percent of the queues, just like now. Now mm-hmm. the stacks would be. You know, Google or uh, Google. Uh, well, it was Facebook, Amazon, Apple, and and well, Tesla probably snuck in there. Or certainly Microsoft. The the thing with the two thousand part, Russell, and this is what I'm, I'm going to ask you. If you'd have hung on with those stocks, you never came back. The only one that's a oh no, you didn't. It's yeah. funny um, when and and I know I, and the reason I know that is uh, remember Buffett bought IBM back around two thousand eleven or so. Yeah. Yep. Um, I, uh, uh, IBM was off from the internet bubble, and the rest of those stocks weren't when he when he purchased IBM. Well, the only one that's higher is Microsoft. And yeah, I, and you can't tell well, Dell, now. You know, well, you can't tell Dell because they took it private. Now it's public again, so you can't. There's no read on that. But but Cisco, Oracle, uh, Intel, they're all they're all, Intel, they're, yeah. they're all blown they're all, over. Yeah, they never recovered from from those levels. So my guess, my question to you, because you sort of intimated. I mean, at, Apple has. I uh, think Apple may have been the other one. That, I don't oh, know Apple, Apple was Apple was a gleam in the designer's eye at two, in two thousand. Yeah. They were they were nowhere near a big company. No, they were a dollar, two dollars a share. Yeah, but I'm, I'm saying now, I agree with you. The market will come back, but is the market going to be those five stocks making their comeback? I'm not so sure about that. I think he, I think we better get we better trade next year's winners, not last not last decades. Yeah, but I can't um, name you, I can't name you the ones yeah. that are going to go up. But I don't know that they're going to. Co- I don't see Tesla back at three fifty. Do you? No, not not. 
not until we get the peak of the next, you know, uh, of the next growth cycle because they're, they're an auto company, and auto companies do poorly during recessions, and they do great during expansion. I don't know about and over, over here, and I know we got to go, but I'll tell you, there's a Tesla dealership around the corner from me, and we drove by it a couple of days ago, and it was the first time that I had seen the car, uh, the lot full of Teslas. Really? Yeah, usually there's like two or three, and it, it's like, are they even open? Well, I don't, you know, I don't know. The second they hit the lot, they get sold, but that's not happening anymore. Well, I don't know about Facebook, and uh, plus Amazon, are they just now another retailer because everybody's doing the same stuff? Not to that degree, they're still an innovator, but... You get, yeah. really got to ask yourself before you assume that the rebound is going to be in the same stacks. Mm. I wish I knew the answer yeah. to that. I don't. Hey, Russell, thank you very much. Happy New Year to you and your, and your whole gang. And I, I always keep thinking about your little dog. I sure hope she beats the odds. Mm. She's, she's, right now, she's living her best life and dead asleep now. <laughs> okay. we'll, we'll, do, we'll do a weekly mocha update. Yeah, SP Sounds Futures good. up 17. NASDAQ Futures up 67. Back tomorrow, Stacks and Jacks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. You don't like your job. You don't strike. You just go in every day and do it really half-assed. That's the American way.